You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 158. Today, I'm sitting down with Andrew Hannon, and we're talking all about how to train golfers. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you so much for pushing play on another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. Thank you so much. Glad that you're here. Today, I have an awesome interview with Andrew Hannon, who is an awesome new father with a brand new baby girl who's about 14 months old now. And it has been a crazy transition working 14 hour days and adjusting it to his wife's schedule, daycare schedule. And it has been the best. And honestly, we have been talking about it since, or we talk about it inside of this episode. Andrew talks a lot about his experience on this episode. He started as an athlete in a small town in Kansas. And we talked about his transition to Arizona. What he loves about the personal training and the fitness industry is that there's always something new to learn. And that is clearly something that is shared inside of this episode. He talks a lot about his process in terms of how he works with the golfer, whether they are professional, whether they do it for fun or the, and they want to either increase their fitness, increase their athleticism and, or increase their performance. He also talks about how being a new dad, has impacted his life and his career. And we're going to want to keep our eyes on Andrew because there are new things coming into the works with him based on his experience. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. What's up, Andrew? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? Hi, Beth. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm super pumped. I'm super pumped to dive into our conversation today. So for those of you who have not had the pleasure of seeing your work, I'd love for you to please share with us a little bit more about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there. Yeah, so I think we got connected through Compound Performance's uh, mentorship. So Kyle and Matt's mentorship, you're doing the marketing material. And um, like I said, I always love your work. I always get a lot of good information from you. So and we started talking back and forth. And I think we've had, I've had a call from you. I've used, you know, your service before just to kind of get some um, advice and stuff on marketing, social media. So, um, so for me, um, I work in Scottsdale, Arizona. I work for a small studio and our main niche, my main niche is working with rotational athletes, more specific golfers. Um, that's what I've been doing probably the last eight years out here. And that's kind of what a lot of people follow me is just for the golf fitness content, golf performance content, also some, you know, cool exercises see on Instagram. I, I started kind of, that's kind of how I built my brand and it's kind of evolved that way. Now, um, 
it's still the golf fitness stuff, but my world's kind of evolving in the sense that, you know, I've been a father the last 14 months. My priorities has changed. So it's just like my golf, I used to play quite a bit. Now I have, I've played, probably played three times since she's been born. So it's just like my priorities, my thoughts, my drive is a little bit different. And it kind of, you know, goes into my business as well, where it's just like, I love what I do, but I love being home with my family more. So it's just like, I start thinking about other avenues and kind of think, okay, what's next? How can I, you know, still have the drive to, for one, I love training people, servicing people, but you know, how can I be with my family more? And that's where I, I still try to dive into more online content, look for, you know, marketing to do that and provide services and programs for not only golfers, but, you know, maybe other outlets as well, other people that I want to serve. And um, I really think try to hit home with some dads as well, just because I have a little bit more empathy and, you know, the work that goes into that, especially if they're a little bit more um, hands-on with family stuff. So that's kind of what I've been doing the past pretty much year and a half. That's amazing. So I have, I have so many questions. So let's dive in first to golf. How'd you get into golf? Are you a professional golf? Were you playing professionally? Like, how'd you get into golf? Absolutely not. So <laughs> I grew up more in kind of traditional sports sense. Um, I grew up in Midwest in, in, in Kansas, kind of Southeast Kansas and or Northeast Kansas and growing up was just, yeah. My husband's from Missouri. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on the, I'm on, I'm on the Kansas side. So I want to say Kansas city. That's kind of this, I'm on the Kansas side because there's two Kansas cities, Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas. So, um, so I grew up in a small town where it's just like kind of sports were for everything. Like I football, basketball, baseball. My dad was a pro baseball player for a while. Um, so that's kind of in the family. And then once I get got more into at the college level, again, I played basketball and baseball there um, and focused on my education. And then that's where I got into personal training after my college career was over. And then I just was looking for a niche. And that's where, you know, TPI is Titleist Performance Institute is kind of a certification for golf fitness. I got into that and I just thought it would be a good avenue for me because I know I like to play. I like to play back then when I really got into it, like in my mid twenties, um, I wasn't crazy good, but the more I learned, the more I kind of played and practiced, like I can handle myself on the course. Like I'm not awful. And so once I started getting more into it in my professional career, I kind of, kind of fell in love with it and thought it was a kind of good niche to get into. It was good business. People that can usually play golf can afford that type of training year round. And now being out in Arizona, where it's pretty much everything golf, I mean, we're around probably 20 courses in a five mile radius and we work with a lot of high end um, country clubs and a lot of retired people that just want to play all the time, but also want to keep their body in check and be healthy and play a lot of golf. So that's kind of where we come in and what I've been doing again the past 18 years. How did you go from Kansas City to Scottsdale, Arizona? That's a great question. I, um, so living in Kansas, I mean, the weather's pretty inconsistent. And again, I lived in Lenexa for about six years after I started right when I was in my, um, in my professional career and Lenexa is just like pretty much a Scottsdale, right? Kind of high net worth people, good, good suburb area. And that's where I met, um, my wife was at a lifetime fitness. That's where I started my career. 
So we met at a gym and we were just kind of looking for a move and we're, we're ready for like something different. And we wanted to live by a beach, but then we just thought, you know, we can, you know, visit a beach, be cool, you know, every once in a while. And then I found on um, like a job search, you know, this, the gym I'm at now was, was hiring to look for a golf fitness trainer. Um, it's called premier fitness systems. And again, it's in Scottsdale. So I sent in my resume and, you know, one of the owners, Greg sent me or called me like two days later. And it was, it was pretty much like a four to five month, you know, interview process. They flew me out to kind of get to know me a little bit better. And again, this was eight years ago. And we decided to kind of make the jump. I mean, we don't have any family. We didn't have any friends out here. We're just kind of ready for that big move and ended up working out perfect. That's amazing. Okay. So I'd love for you to dive in a little bit for, uh, for us and share a little more about, you know, what are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed when training people who are, uh, into golf versus other sports? Like what are some of the big differences? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, to bring a little context, our big market is probably, again, people in their, you know, 50-plus range. Again, they're retired. They've been working all their life. Um, again, they like to play a lot. So, again, I think getting into – I mean, they watch the pros and they see what kind of what they're doing with their bodies. And a lot of those guys and women, you know, they travel with trainers now. They have PTs with them. They have – massage therapists, they have every, everyone going with them. So they see that. And, you know, we just really try to help not only with their golf game, but also just kind of help their, you know, their healthy way of life outside the course. So if they have grandkids making sure, Hey, you know, I want to help you with your golf game, but also get you to moving better and also play with your grandkids when 10 years from now, you know? So a lot of it has to do with kind of managing and maintaining their, um, some of their limitations. So with them, again, I'm kind of talking like 50 plus, you know, retired type of individuals, um, a lot of back pain. Sometimes we're really sticky with the thoracic, thoracic spine, um, neck issues. So it's just like, we really try to pay attention to that through assessment process. And again, some of them might see us two to three times a week. Sometimes it's just one. So it's just like, we really try to get a good session in for that hour. And usually at that time, especially in the summertime or if they're, you know, here seasonally, they're playing that day. So we have to kind of keep in mind, you know, Hey, we don't want to beat them up too much to the point where they can't play because that's what they enjoy doing. So it's really managing, you know, their load, their expectations and making sure that, you know, they can enjoy their time outside of the gym when they're, when they're in the CS, but also just out any activities they enjoy to do outside the gym. So we kind of try to maintain all those goals as well. That's amazing. So I'm curious, are you dealing mostly with people who are, are trying to increase their performance in golf or is it pain management? Um, it's a little bit of both. I think, again, we not only with the retired folk and people that are, you know, don't play for a living, we also have a bunch of pros as well. So it's, again, it's, that's totally two different sides of the spectrum. So I work with a few, you know, players that play for a living. So that's a totally different mindset and approach. Um, so again, obviously they're playing for performance They're playing to, you know, make sure they're staying healthy throughout the whole season. Um, but then we'll get a few clients that are at that level where they're trying to make it. So again, they're looking for performance or looking for, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, a routine that I could do not only to help my golf game, but to hope to get me stronger. 
more mobile, um, but also kind of manage some pain as well. So in a way we do it all, but at, at the point of, you know, we do have a Cairo on staff. So it gets to the point where we have to refer out if something's out of our realm. We have um, avenues that way. But again, we have a wide range of people that we work with and just not only golfers, but, you know, gym pop people that, you know, don't do much outside of the gym travel, um, you know, again, st sticking around with family and, and stuff like that. So a lot of gym, gym pop people who against normal type people that don't, um, aren't specific with golf at all. Cool. Can you walk us through your process a little bit? So now you get a golfer that comes in to talk to you. What are, what's, mm -hmm. what's the process you carry them through? Yeah. So in a general sense, let's say someone walks in and again, they don't, let's say they don't play for a living. Um, they're in, they're looking to increase performance with their golf game, but also they might have some limitations or they might have, you know, some past injuries. So we'll go through if needed, again, kind of the consultation process where it's like, okay, I kind of ask questions. Okay. What's important to you? You know, what's your golf game like currently? What do you want to improve on? Um, what, what are your limitations and injuries in the past in this basic consult process? And then there are specific screenings that we can use that are related to golf. Again, that's where we've kind of learned with TPI, but then we can kind of throw in other systems that have also had success, whether it's PRI, um, different FRCs, certain other things we can look at that do relate to golf, whether it's with range of motion, um, hip range of motion, again, lower back stuff. We can create some space expansion um, through that realm if we need to. And then, you know, if, we, if there's enough time, it's just kind of giving an example, okay, this is what a workout would look like based on our findings. You know, it could be anywhere from, you know, we're going to kind of start with the cumulative, uh, like a, a volume phase where kind of we have to build up your aerobic capacity first, build up some range of motion, and we might throw in some strength training as well. So it's really dependent on what they need and what's important to them. If usually a lot of them, if it's, an older generation, again, they're looking to gain a little bit more speed. So they want to hit the ball further. So again, that kind of takes a different approach of depending on again what their fitness age is and kind of what they do outside of the gym. If they're playing a lot, what type of season is it? Um, so yeah, again, that kind of takes a different conversation because gaining speed takes a whole different again, kind of type of adaptation. There's a lot of stress involved. You know, if someone wants to, to swing fast, we have to train a certain way. And I think it kind of takes a little bit of buy-in for them to understand it. That's not just going to take, you know, four weeks of training. You know, it might, this is going to be a process for, for years to come. So you can kind of build up because all they really want to do is just kind of hit it past their buddies and, and win some money if they're, if they're betting out on the course. Yeah. You said something interesting. I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit because you said speed, because I mm -hmm. always, I always thought speed was a strength thing and you're saying it's not. So can you talk me through how you are going to increase someone's speed? I'm also curious, you said increase or you start with aerobic capacity, which oh. honestly that surprises me for golfers because how much aerobic capacity do golfers really need? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So first again, I'm going to be biased because I think, you know, some strength is going to help with speed, but again, based on the individual, it could be a mechanical thing. So uh, depending on if they're working like with a swing coach or someone who specializes in the golf swing, which is something that I don't do. Like I understand the golf swing, I understand the muscles, the biomechanics of it, but 
someone who's going to break down like certain, you know, position one needs to hit the, the ball with better contact. Like that's going to take a swing coach. And sometimes a, a technical tweak might help them gain a little bit of speed. And not, it's not going to be a tremendous amount, but it's going to be to the point if they're getting better face contact off the club, then, you know, that ball is going to go a little bit further based on, again, kind of spin radius, launch angle. We can talk about that all day, but um, that's going to take, again, a more mechanical approach with their swing coach. Now, a combination of both with good communication between me and the swing coach and the client, like that's where the best results usually come from. But again, it's going to depend on the person. Someone might not need a lot of strength if, again, their swing is really sound. And in the opposite sense, if their swing is really sound, like adding a little bit of strength training and, and this fitness element could take their game to the next level. Now, for someone who's a little bit maybe, you know, more restricted, you know, they don't practice as much as they just like to play, having that swing coach or even that, that golf coach that kind of help with their technique a little bit, then if I throw in, again, like a, a fitness element in a gym setting to help them get stronger, to get them in better shape, that's where I kind of throw in aerobic capacity because sometimes people just need to move more, right? They need to get more active. And if they're you know, playing two times a week and they're riding a cart and they see me one times a week, I mean, that's probably their activity for what, you know, 10 hours a week. And the rest of the time, they're either working or, you know, not doing too much. So just throwing in as much movement, as possible throwing in some cardio based stuff, but also I'm, I'm big on strength training and, and movement, unilateral balance, um, work with different tools, med balls. That's always going to help in a gym setting. And then hopefully giving them stuff to do outside of when they don't see me, you know, to kind of do on their own at home. If they do have a gym, if they do have tools at home is always good, is always going to help. Okay. That's, that's so good. All right. So when you're, I know, I, I'm sure that it's very, um, case by case. So it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not all one size fits all. And so I get that, but I was, I'm curious, do you, is it traditionally a, a position thing when you're increasing speed? Like, what do you, what do you see mostly? How do you, how do you work someone through increasing speed? Yeah, that's great. Again, like you said, it's going to be a case-by-case basis, but I'll try to use an example where, you know, again, especially with the, the older demographic, which, again, I work with a lot, again, they're probably going to take the most time. So a lot of clients that I work with, like, since I've been out here, I've been working for, with, for, you know, six, seven plus years, and we're still trying to get to that point of, um, you know, getting where they want to be, but comparing to where they were when we started is, is, is crazy. Right. Whereas it's like, I try to ask all the time is like, Hey, Rick, for example, like remember where you were again, six years ago, like you get so tired after doing like one set of these. Now we're getting through a whole hour and you're fine. And you're telling me that, you know, you've been playing with your buddy for 20 plus years and now you're starting to hit it past them. You know, putting that in their mind and their mindset, you know, what? I have seen some progress again, they're always going to say it's maybe it's not as fast as I want, but I do see it. Right. And that process has taken, again, it's this basic, especially with those, if I'm seeing him twice a week, which I do, and he's playing four or five times a week. And then he leaves for the summer to go to his seasonal home. So I don't see him all summer. So it's just like, that's the expectations I have to kind of throw at him just because, you know, again, there's only so much I can do in, in two hours a week of work with them. So again, that approach is again, you know, range of motion work, 
strength training work. Again, that can be from, you know, basic stuff. It doesn't have to be really specialized. And a lot of, I try to hit home. A lot of the exercises I try to prescribe don't look like the golf swing. I mean, they're basic fitness stuff from squats, push, pull, throw stuff, um, change of direction. It's basic stuff that, again, I think a lot of golf trainers try to kind of get in the weeds a little bit where they try to emanate or in, 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 imitate too much with the golf swing, whether it's with like a cable and, and try to swing too fast with the, with the cable or do an exercise like that. Or it's just like, how can we, you know, put together like a full fitness program that also carries over to the course, but also know that this is going to be a buildup over time. And again, it's a, just like with anything, it's a mindset of like, this isn't a quick fix. This is going to take some time if you want to be more aggressive and then I'm gonna have to see more more than two times a week so that's kind of the communication and kind of the approach I take it's so good and it's a great segue into my next question because I'm curious what are some of the misconceptions that your golfers come into the space with you thinking like what are some of the things that they that you know you really have to shift their perspective on yeah I think with golf, it's funny. I think with any other sport, you watch the pros play and in your mind, you think, okay, there's no way. These are why these are professional athletes, right? With golf, it's a little bit different because there's all shapes and sizes out there on the course from someone who's, you know, five, seven, 130 pounds that bombs at, you know, 320 to someone who's, you know, six, five, who looks like an athlete, but is a, he's a golfer and, you know, still bombs it you know, 340, you know, they kind of see that on TV or on the course and they think they should be able to do that at that level, not be out there with them on the PGA, but they, they think they should be able to do that with their swing when they're playing on the course. Um, and they wonder why they're not getting it fast enough. And they've been, you know, practicing and playing for, for years or in the opposite sense where a lot of younger players where, you know, they see what the winner did, Last week, they kind of look at their routine and they think, okay, I need to do that. Or the next winner, the next week, okay, I'm going to change up my approach and do what he's doing or what she's doing. So it's it's, it's a constant tinkering, right? Because there's so much information out there just with like anything where, you know, there's swing tips and there's way to practice and there's way to work out and there's ways, there's different equipment you can use. So a lot of, with all that information, there's so much tinkering. There's so much, it's an easy way to try something different if something doesn't work right away. Right. So with my job, you know, it's kind of the same thing where they might bring in an article that, you know, might be a different principle and philosophy than mine from a, from a magazine and wonder why we're not working on this type of thing where it's just like, you know, they're showing me of, you know, the number three golfer in the world and what the workout looks like. And I'm just like, look, you play twice a week. You don't play for a living. And, you know, you don't have six people working at you at one time. So I'm only one person. So it's just constantly reminding them like, hey, this is going to take time. You know, those guys, those girls are the 1% of the world. They might make it look easy on TV because it is, right? That's why they're out there. They're the best in the world. So it's just constantly reminding them like, hey, where your game at right now, like you're a good player. There's some out there that aren't a good player that think they should be, but I try to make them and in, in try to improve their performance just by, Hey, let's get you stronger. Let's get you healthy. And you have goals outside of golf. So let's work on those two. And that usually carries over to your game. So let's just kind of focus on that. 
That's so good. Uh, so I'm curious in your opinion, what is the 1% difference when it comes to golfers? Because I hear that a lot in terms of, you know, people saying the athletes are the one, per, the top 1% of the one mm. you know, of the 1% essentially. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, what is it for, you know, cause when I'm looking at it from a spectator point of view, it all looks the same. It's just yeah. like every, you know, there's no, there's no, it all looks the same to me from someone who's like just having a good, you know, doing playing for fun versus someone who's playing, you know, for professionally. So what yeah, yeah. That person, the 1% would you say? Yeah. I mean, I could just come from experience because I work with those types of players, females and, and males and just, again, it's, it's just different. Again, they might look like, a regular person but then i've played with a couple of them before many a times and again it's just it's just different from the point of like it's with ease it looks like they're not even trying and just their mindset has to be so different whether they're playing for a million dollars or practicing right whereas like my mindset or if i'm playing with my buddies it's just like okay i'm not i don't want to lose this ball to the right and hit it in the water or you know i'm playing from 40 yards up compared to the you know, some of the pros are playing from crazy amount of yardage, depending on the on the hole that, you know, I have to hit it to a specific area. And it seems easy where the, for them, they're thinking about, OK, what's my shot shape going to look like? Where do I want to position myself to get to the green a little bit better? Like, I don't think about those things. Right. They do. So, again, the mental part of the game is this. Again, I think that separates them from regular players and amateurs is, is this mindset of. You know, every shot, how they work on their game. And again, a lot of the pros, I mean, they practice, you know, four to six hours a day. You know, a lot of people don't have time to do that. I just play for fun. So that's just a big difference between, you know, really understanding one's, you know, mechanical sense, one's one's swing, you know, then going into, okay, now I have to go to my, my trainer and then get good night's sleep. And then I have to travel to the next course or the next state on a red eye the next day and travel for, you know, a couple of days, have a practice. So it's just like the underestimate of how much stress and how much toll in the body those pros take just based on travel and, you know, playing throughout the day practices. Like, I think it's really underestimated on really how hard it is and then be able to go out and perform and shoot six under, which is a crazy score where it's just like a lot of amateurs, you know, that I play with are you know decent players but for me i shoot like in the 80s which is like 12 over so just that difference of mental mindset how much toll it takes on the body and how hard it really is to be good at that game is just it's just different yeah so i'm also curious in your opinion do you think that this is a skill and you know because i know a lot of it is is mindset do you think this is a skill that can be honed or is this a skill you're born with um a little bit of both. I think if you look at some of the great players right now, like they were playing since they were, you know, six years old. Like some of the top players, like kind of run down, you know, you know, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, I mean, they were good for a long time. And it started when they were really young compared to like other sports where, you know, you might have a basketball or football player that kind of, you know, they're, you know, they're good and like maybe, you know, high school and they really peak in college and then they get drafted, all that stuff. But a lot of these golfers, like, you know, they're good at like a young age. Like I think Tiger ruined it for everybody just because everyone's trying to take that road of, you know, he was good when he was three years old. 
And then he won the amateur, you know, U.S. amateur six times in a row. And then he went from being the best in the world for six straight years and then leave the game, come back and still be dominant. So I think, you know, that takes a different type of person. Um, I think you're born with it a little bit, depending on someone's background and environment. Right. So a lot of good players nowadays that can you know, kind of grow up in that setting, like they're. Um, their dads were golfers or their swing coaches, or they grew up in a kind of a country club setting, um, or back in the day that, you know, golf was, is still kind of a rich person sport. You know, you get someone to kind of work their way up where they caddy and they practice, they kind of grind, you know, they kind of, it's more of a work ethic thing. And then it's kind of have the drive to be better. Um, but again, I think it's such a, it's such a skill that needs to be focused on and, you know, I'm still big with, you know, multiple at multiple sports as you're younger, but um, a lot of these players that are the best in the world now really started at a really young age and then they kept continue to improve their game as they got older. I love it. Uh, so I, you also talked about, you know, the environment being such an important key component yeah. of the, you know, of the sport and really just in general. So I'd love to circle back to one of the things that you actually started talking about, you know, when we started recording, which was the impact of what it's now like as your environments changed, what it's now like to be a dad and how this has, you know, influenced your career essentially, and how you have brought that component to your profession. Yeah. Thanks for transitioning to that. Cause I think, I mean, that's, that's been a main priority again, the last 14 months, just with, you know, me and my wife, cause and not that we, this is kind of not that it was a plan, but it's just like, we're kind of, I, I think back with how I grew up and with my friends, like they all got married and had kids pretty early. Like I'm 36, I'll be 37 next month. So I think in a traditional culture sense, we had kids late in a way. Um, but based on how I kind of had wanted to live my life, kind of had saw my future for myself and for me and my wife. I mean, my parents had me at a young age. Um, I have three siblings on top of that. So not that we struggled, but, you know, I kind of saw and I learned and I grew in that type of environment where it's just like, not that I want to struggle and have kids and not like, again, that, that, that we didn't struggle, but it's just like, we want to have an established base and kind of build our career in the beginning and then really make sure we know we can provide and be there for, you know, our kids when we were ready. Um, and again, 14 months ago, or even two years ago when we were expecting, again, it's kind of around, right around that COVID time. So we say we had a COVID baby. So again, that kind of, kind of changed our mindset again of, you know, okay, we have to prepare for something like this again, if it, if it happens, you know, with the world and stuff that's going on, but at the same time, be able to provide, teach. And, you know, I think we've kind of learned through our experiences that we can provide that now. So transitioning on how that's affected, you know, my job, you know, you know, before she was born, it's just like, you know, it was at the gym at 5 a.m. and home at 6 p.m., right? And my wife was kind of the same way. It was like, we didn't see each other for 18 hours of that day. It's because I leave, I come home, we have dinner, and then we went to bed. So it's just like, that's just kind of how we um, wanted things to be in the beginning. And then once we knew we were having a child, it's that changed where it's just like, I want to be really involved. I was 
lucky enough to be in a situation where that's, that's possible, where it's like, I worked away, I worked up enough and, um, you know, established a pretty good base, right. You have the flexibility to, to be involved. And with our schedule, my wife works from home and, and we are lucky enough to have a care provider that, that really helps with our schedule. And, um, but I'm not here as much, but that gives me time to think of other things I want to work on, whether it's the online space, you know, still have clients that give me, you know, kind of security and certainty with income, but also, you know, taking risk of what I want to kind of work on next and involve my family with it and making sure that our daughter is kind of involved with that. And we're teaching her the values of, you know, hard work, but also like just being, being part of her life. So that's kind of how things have kind of shifted compared to like work, work, work and be home, sleep and repeat. Parenting is the hardest job you'll ever love. Right. And it's one of yeah. the, it's one of those jobs that no one teaches you how to do. No one goes to school to learn how to be a parent. And yet it's one of the biggest responsibilities raising a human that people have. Right. Um, and so yep, yep. I mean, at least that's what it was like for me, right. As a mom of two young girls. So I oh, get yeah. it when you say that. Right. Yeah. And I'm curious for you, you know, when, you know, with your dealing with your, you know, now that you have this experience that no one prepared you for, how have you also brought it into your, into your client's world? Have you helped them see the importance of, you know, you know, putting themselves first and, 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 and at the same time, helping them be more present for their kids and like prioritizing their health and how that is just so important like how have you been able to incorporate that into your world yeah I think I think it's kind of flipped in a way where it's just like a lot of clients I have um you know have grandkids or they have kids already again they're kind of in that you know 40 plus range yeah so they've kind of helped me in a way to the point of like I have a client he has he has four daughters two in college and two in high school so it's just like kind of see how he interacts. I mean, he runs a huge business, but he's always involving like his wife with things when they travel. You know, they're always kind of having family days. They, they all come to the gym and work out with me. Or if they don't, they have their own appointment with me. So it's like, I see that. And it's just like, you know, that's, that's kind of cool to see to the point of like, I've seen the opposite end where it's just like, you know, you have father or mother so ingrained in the business and the kid comes in and he just look, he feels and looks miserable but I try to you know uplift through you know fitness and working out and staying active just to kind of keep them engaged with you know stuff they're interested in and I think the digital age is really you know we can go on and on about phones and attention and parents paying attention to kids but again that's one thing that we really try to hit home even if she's 14 months old you know be engaged with her eat at the table not be on our phones as much, even around her. Um, Cause like, if I'm being straight up, I talked to my client the other day, like my goal for her and for myself as a father is like 18 years from now, like I don't want her to have an OnlyFans page. Like that's my only goal for, for her to have some sort of, or even just think about her self-worth in that way. Always respect your mother and just respect yourself. And if it's just like, if that, if I can complete that task without her having any interest of diving into that sort of, realm and it's just like i've hopefully successful or had success as a father and teacher of those things 
Ooh, the digital age is the wild, wild west. You know, my husband and I talk about this all the time. And it's funny because our kids are six and four. And uh, we'll see people in her age who already have things like iPads and, and cell phones. And we have zero tech upstairs. Zero. Yeah, great. Like no even like no television, right? So upstairs is okay. like where they sleep, right? So it's uh -huh. like I'm I'm on that same page. The digital age has like made things oh. kooky. <laughs> yeah well it's, it's tough because it's like we're in it like that's part of our job right yes. so being able to you know involve them a little bit but not too much with the consumers it's like we try to use them as um you know as a type of business outlet or even like as like a quick hey let's take a picture and post it and might get a lot of likes from it like again it, it takes a lot of discipline even like you said in our part is to be able to still do our job we have to use the digital age because it is the future you have to use our phones for our work but it's just like how can we still educate like hey this is something we i use for work like when you're older we're going to be able to you know utilize this more when you get older but there's going to still be some restriction with it i think there's so many ways that you can you know have some sort of privacy with it if the if someone decides to give their six-year-old an iPhone or iPad. There's so many ways to be able to positively construct it in a way where it's a learning tool and not just like a freelance way to get information that you probably don't want them to see. 1000%. And I think that it's important to address because you talked about it. So I'm just going to open this up to and reiterate it is that... Yeah is that what we're really looking at essentially is a holistic approach because we have to deal with the mental health component. It's not about the kids not having access to tech, right? Because just like you said, tech is the future, but yeah, it's about coming. building a resilient mind essentially and about making sure that they are prioritizing their health, including their mental health, which is what the impact is we're seeing in kids, I think. Yeah, yeah, and just the, talk to, with my wife a lot just the influence of sometimes what these kids consume right or it's just like when we were growing up I, our influence was you know teachers parents friends you know we did some stupid shit as is you know boys in high school and junior high with my friends all the time but it's just like we're still you know outside and engaging with people and connecting with them in that way whereas you know it's so easy now to have so many acquaintances online whether it's through video games whether it's through social media whether it's through whatever stream you want to look at but it's just like that's still not a true connection and that's where i start to learn more with with business it's just like we can get complacent with how we interact online and how we gain business online but it's just like sometimes i do miss that one-on-one or personal connection of running a seminar or being connected through people like in front of me instead of just always looking at the screen so it's just like i see how that can impact my brain so i can't imagine how it impacts a six-year-old brain on how to kind of uh, decipher that stuff when you're younger and trying to you know learn and make friends and stuff like that yeah so now as you know with this new influence in your life how do you and and you have really nailed it in the golf community so i'm curious what's next for you what do you see your business evolving to yeah i think the more i learn and again it's just trying to read up on different things right now what i'm kind of focusing on is for myself um kind of learning how what's kind of next with my relationships whether it's with my family or with my parents and 
you know, how I've kind of perceived myself in the past, which has been, you know, work hard, you know, kind of quiet personality, but it's just like, I don't want to be labeled as that anymore. So it's like diving into books where it's like, I've been reading this book, uh, Personality Isn't Permanent by, I think his name's Dr. Ben Hardy, where it's just like being, you know, introverted in a way is, is you know, kind of has a stigma because it's just like, I've kind of labeled myself as that for a long time. I've kind of used it, you know, to kind of get out of certain situations where it's just like, I have to start seeing my future self and what I want that to be. And I've kind of used that as a, as a crutch in a way to kind of get out of certain situations or social situations or, but in the, in the end, like I know um, kind of my limit with certain things in that aspect. So it's just like, I know kind of how to, you know, decide my way through social settings and through work. And I know what the energy it does for me, but at the same time, like I have to kind of expand that horizon if I want to kind of take the next step, whether it's in my personal life or career. So it's like kind of learning those things on, you know, um, just anything from, from speaking to, to more presence in, in, in whether it's online space or in-person space and it's kind of taking outlets that way. And it might be with golf, it might not be. Like I said, I haven't played in a long time. It's not like I lost interest in it. So I just don't have time to play right now. So it's just like to be able to kind of live it, but also still be, you know, an expert in it. Like, I still feel like I have to like do the thing to be an expert in it. I haven't been doing a thing to make it in a simple sense. So it's just like, not that I lost interest or that I'm bored with it, but it's just like, I'm kind of thinking on what, what's next with, um, you know, my career. And again, it might not be the fitness space. It might be, it might just be a different way of teaching. So those are kind of the brain, me kind of spitting that out and the wheels turning, you know, as we sit on this call. That's what I've been thinking about. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So well, I can't wait. We'll just have to keep an eye on you to see what comes up next for you. Yeah. No, well, I- I definitely want to be mindful of your time. So I will ask you this. If you could go back to your, you know, if you were going back to your younger self or, you know, what would you say to someone who was new starting out and is like interested in getting into this career? What are some of like the big key takeaways that you would tell someone who was new into the fitness training space? Man, that's a, that's a good question. I think. Mean- I can only go by experience because I think I was lucky in a sense where I started at the perfect situation, which was, you know, put yourself in a situation where you know that not that you're going to have success right away, but you know, you kind of have to grind to get where you want to be. So it's getting, whether that's, you know, I started in a big box gym, which is, I look back at it now, it's probably the best thing ever happened to me just because, you know, I had a good leadership quality there with, people I worked under, I made a lot of good friendships and I learned a lot about just putting myself out there, but also learned about selling, learned about, you know, numbers, schedule, um, different people to work with. And in that type of environment setting, like you have members at your disposal and you're able to kind of talk to people, but you're also kind of forced into like certain situations where you might not have done if you were starting out on your own or starting in like a smaller gym. So I'd say if someone's getting into this, you know, find either, you know, somewhere that's a big box gym or somewhere, you know, that has good leadership and they're going to kind of teach you all about the basics from scheduling to, to selling and put you kind of out of your comfort zone. 
but also even work with people you might not want to work with. And again, it kind of puts you in, a, in their shoes of whether it's, hey, I want to work sports performance, but you're giving me these weight loss clients. Like it kind of gives you a different perspective of, okay, in this environment and especially in this demographic, this might be the route for now, but I'm going to kind of research on what I need to do to get where I, who I kind of want to work with. So it's just always kind of learning, but kind of put yourself in a situation where you have avenues you can go to get advice, mentor, but also kind of work your ass off where it's like, okay, I can be here for 12 hours a day and I'm okay with it. As long as there's, again, the priorities are there, there's no family involved. Um, or again, you kind of have other things you need to focus on, but I think that'd be kind of the first step. I love that. It's great insight. Okay. So for those of you who want to come hang out with Andrew, where should we send them? Uh, I mean, kind of talked about the digital so much, but it's just like I still spend time on Instagram. I mean, Ando underscore PFS. That's where I kind of do most of my communication and answering DMs and comments. And that's where I do most of my content building and posting. So that's probably where you can reach me the best. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And we'll make sure we link all of that up in, in the show notes. And I really appreciate Andrew. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. No, bad. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.